0: This is Sandy Clough and Chandra Tar on Mile High Sports.
1: Oh, we don't have challenges. We present challenges.
0: That is Deion Sanders on... Okay, I've, it's funny because it takes me a minute. I, I was listening to what Danny Bailey's doing with the music, but uh, I'm focusing on the show a little bit. It takes me a little while. Is this a Motown Monday, Danny? Yeah. Indeed it is. There Motown we go. Monday. Okay, okay. Like a couple and then it gets in the back of my head. Wait a minute. There's a pattern to this. Danny's already got it planned, and I'm just I i slow. It takes me a minute to catch up a little bit. That was Deion Sanders on Friday. Had an opportunity to talk about a lot of things as CU gets ready for uh, it. It gets pr- practice going in earnest as their first game less than a month away in Fort Worth against TCU, of which they are a more than 20-point underdog. Yeah. In um, a season in which now the over-under with our friends at Superbook Sports have them to three-and-a-half wins. That's, uh, maybe the bloom is off the rose a little bit to an extent, or maybe it's, it's become a little more realistic. I, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, I think they'll go
2: over three and a half. I do too. I, I think they'll win four or five. Uh, not sure of six. My current sense is five and seven is realistic. And, and listen, this is the factor we can't possibly anticipate the dissolution of the PAC 12 continues. Mm-hmm. So what is it going to be like in what is the final year of the Pac-12 and largely the final year of college football as we've come to know it? Yeah, the, the Power Five
0: itself as, as it stands today, now Cal and Stanford negotiating with the ACC, that's right, the Atlantic Coast Conference. I like to scoop them up leaving A little on- bit of coast. There's, yeah, it's a, it is coast, I guess, and conference, but the, they'll get the whole thing. It's not
2: Atlantic, it's Pacific.
0: If you're Oregon State and Washington State, things are a little dicey right now. Uh, and perhaps, I, I would
2: think so. And, you know, so I, they go independent, they can play anybody they want. Well, who's going to want to play them?
0: Well, the cleverest move that I had heard to see if somebody really wants to think outside the box is that Oregon State, Washington State, stay. The Mountain West... Dissolves itself, hence no exit fees, and joins the Pac-12 and Mass. By creating a new Mac Pac-12 in which they are then contractually still allowed for their champion to be included in the college football playoff. Interesting. Yeah, if Makes someone if they're, yeah. It, right? if they're creative enough to do it, right? They're creative enough because you could eliminate the exit fees if, well, there is new, no Mountain West Pac-12 is made up largely the of the Mountain, Mountain West, West with two yeah. remaining Pac-12 teams,
2: but I mean, get San Diego State. There, at San could, Diego State technically would not, but you could really have to move. Do
0: it yeah. if you. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a brave new world. Well, conference realignment, obviously, uh, and, and the very nature of. Let's face it. This is about cold hard cash. Uh, nobody talks about that better than Deion Sanders. What
1: well, craziness you talking about? Well, just different teams moving. Man, I don't care about the different teams moving. Up. We try to win, man. I don't okay. care where we play. Okay. I don't. I don't care what conference. Who we playing against, we're trying to win. All this is about money, you know that. It's about a bag. Everybody's chasing a bag. Then you get mad at the players when they chase it. How is that? How do does, how does the grown-ups get mad at the players when they're chasing it, when the colleges chase? chasing it? Yeah, that's true. I know I yeah, no, that's true. A couple, couple more teams moving today. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, same teams are talking about us, right? I <laughs> 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 thought oh, it was good.
0: Specifically Oregon. Dan Lanning
2: Lanning, uh, the other day Broadside. Uh, basically said, Remind me again of how much they've won and how much of an impact they've had on, on in the other league, words, which of course will will miss in, them. In, in a football sense, certainly it's it's non existent. Uh although see, you did play in one Pac twelve conference they championship. Did? Game.
0: It's been so long, I forgot. It was,
2: what, 2016? Mike McIntyre? Yeah, that's right. Won 10 games. That's such a they weird did not win, no, needless to say, the conference blitz. championship game, uh, which was a good line, but you, you wonder uh, about his uh, awareness when it seemingly was only a matter of days before Oregon was moving well, on to the big and 10. We know that Oregon. <laughs> so, w- why, was, why are yeah. you taking a gratuitous shot? At someone who is moving and saying they won't be missed, when you're on the verge, of and it's
0: work. well known that Oregon also tried to piggyback with USC and UCLA and right. get an invite to the Big Ten, which they right. couldn't at that time. Which that was years could. prior to this, right. And so, you know, a little so bit. So they, they, they were thinking about leaving long yeah. before CU was whatever, and they they do move along. And again, I, I know
2: people, at, at, and his point is very well taken. I mean, Deion Sanders' point is very well taken in the sense it's it's it's, it's all about money, and. It's all about the T V networks taking over college football now and its future from the NCAA, which is no longer in any realistic sense the governing body of college.
0: No, and there was warning that was gonna or happen for a anything while. Else for and I time. also like Dion's comment about the idea some of the arguments about you know the NIO world and everything It's like, wait, how come it's a problem for the kids to go try to chase money? Everybody else in Everybody college sports does. does. How come it's a problem for the kids? And I agree right. with them on that. And That's right. and this team has come together, obviously in a roundabout fashion, in an unprecedented fashion. And and one of the reasons I think that people are concerned about CU's chances is the fact that you've we've never seen this much roster overhaul in in a single season before. The reason that Colorado left the Big Twelve, and this still seems to
2: elude otherwise intelligent people who should know about. It, They they left the Big 12 for the Pac-12 because there was more money at the time in the Pac-12. Right. They're leaving the Pac-12 now because there happens to be more money in the Big 12 than there would have been in the Mm Pac-12. And there is in the Pac-12.
0: Right. It has
2: nothing to do with competitive advantage or or disadvantage. And by the way, see you would have stunk at football in the Big 12 just as much as they did in the Pac-12. And it had the one great year that they had. Yeah, the conference the didn't 12. make a difference. It was it was the approach, make any top to bottom, competitively. And, yeah. and it was never about the competition anyway, or the geography. Even back then, it wasn't about the geography. It was about where can we go to be a bigger fish in the pond, as opposed to where we stand in the Big Twelve. Oh, the Pac twelve. They'd love to have
0: us. Well, and it turns out to Along be about Utah. On the football side. Look, it's very simple. Players win games. It's about recruiting. And the way that CU has assembled this, whether it's with a transfer portal or graduate transfers or recruiting, obviously, it hasn't been tried at this scope and scale. And the concern By anybody was, in any right.
2: conference, any time, anywhere. And
0: the concern is primarily that, well, it won't come together. Well, Sanders begs to differ about how his team is coming together.
1: It's unbelievable, man. Even, uh, you know, with the guys we brought in this spring, the unity that they're displaying, as well as the unity with the other guys that come in uh, in the summer, it's unbelievable, like you got to see them uh, at lunch, um, breakfast, dinner, just around the complex, all around town, uh, these guys are really solid and they're, they're really unified and they know what the common goal is and that's to win and they want to go pro, they want to get to the next level, they want to be a, a, a pillar in the community. I I love what I'm seeing. The coaches are doing a phenomenal job of of, of blending everything and meshing everything together. But these kids, we got to give them credit for what they're accomplishing. It's not an all-white table at lunch. You know, it's not an all-black table at lunch. It's a team, and I love that.
0: That's what is going to have to happen one or the other, and and I think there is. I, I believe him on all of that, but. You, you don't know what
2: it's going to be right. like on the field. I also believe Until the idea that
0: the they're all looking forward to going pro. Uh, again, let's follow through with the other thought process of they're trying to get that money. Look, let's let's finally unveil that this isn't, by the way, this isn't new. This isn't a new thing in college football. We're just being a little more transparent
2: about it. Well, to this extent, it is new. It's, it's Pretty revolutionary. This forty, forty, twenty idea. No, I mean the idea that represents that, that, this, that a lot of these kids the are coming to this recruits. university
0: to try to go pro. That's what their objective is. They'd like to get to the NFL. This is a well, stepping stone to go yeah, pro. that's that's yeah, not all that.
2: That, that, that well, <laughs> no, but there, there there are schools who can certainly present a more realistic path than see you. Certainly yeah, over CU's the last t- cou- couple decades, totally unproven. And again. The last two words, we, we mentioned this weeks ago in the Phil Steele preview, the best college uh, football preview publication out there, total rebuild. Yeah. And we need to keep that in mind. The rebuild is total. And Deion Sanders would be the first one sure. to They know what number of
0: players have that. come in.
2: Um, he has hopes for, I'm sure, at least six wins. And I think realistically – Getting to six wins
0: would represent pretty much the ceiling of achievement. I agree with that. But I also think just getting to a bowl would be the that I, I think that's getting to a bowl for CU, that's the that's the win. That's the and, justification. And the, and the chances They're are they,
2: they won't be good enough to get there.
0: Um I, I don't think the it possibility out,
2: entirely, right. but you also can't entirely rule out the possibility that this will be a three and nine, two and ten. That's true. Either. A lot and, of that, and again, a lot, you don't know what the mood of these Pac-12 schools is going to be in 2023. That's true. There could be a lot it of may work. It may work to see his advantage. It may not make any difference mm-hmm. at all. I can't imagine it would work to their disadvantage. No. But we will
0: see. Well, a lot of that's going to ride on the arm of the quarterback, and we've talked about the history of when coaches have their sons at quarterback, but there's also, there are coaches that talk about their sons like their sons, there are coaches that talk about their sons as if they're just another player.
1: Well, you talk about Shador, Shador played the darn game, man. is smart as a will. We've got to take advantage of that. He's been very successful before he got here. we got to glean from some of the things that he did to make it to this point and make sure he's comfortable with the offense. And the main thing, really, we just got to protect the kids. If we keep him upright, I can't wait to you see what he does, especially with the receivers. plethora of receivers that we have that can straight out ball, and they can run like the wind.
0: They do have good receivers. Uh, Sanders does have all the tools. He holds on to the ball a little bit too long, especially given his size. But that's kind of interesting because uh, he got a firsthand look. And another guy that's a little undersized that holds on to the ball a little too long as well, whether good, bad, or indifferent, when Russell Wilson and a couple of the Broncos came to town.
1: First of all, Sean Payton and I are really close. We're we're tight. He's a good man, great coach. I can't wait to see what they do. Uh, Russell reached out and wanted to come over and bring some of the young men. And uh, we're also familiar with a lot of the men that plays on that team. So for him to come over and want to use our facilities, it was a blessing because I want our kids to see what a pro looks like, how does a pro work. Um, how do they go about their business? And that was phenomenal for them to see for two days straight. And I thank Russell and all the guys that came out. And the guys were so pleasant, man. I think every last one of them shook my hand and thanked me for allowing them on our field. And that was a blessing to us. And They, they thought I was blessing them. They were blessing us. Because our kids got to see them come in the weight room and work out. And uh, going the indoor and get some more workouts. So they worked out for a length of time. That was really good. I wish we could do more of that in the next offseason.
0: Interesting to see the connection between the Broncos and the Buffs, and perhaps because Sanders and and Peyton, as Sanders explained, uh, maybe do have a relationship, get along well. Maybe there is uh, some reason to believe that that could continue. It's also an interesting
2: sign that this speculation that if he had maybe a six-win season even, he'd be looking to bail out. See, and I don't think that's actually Uh, the case. It's another indication that I – that that won't happen. In fact, I I'd be surprised if he didn't last through,
0: uh, at least one cycle. And that, I that agree. would be four years. I, I think four years is, is the minimum. I agree. And I, I also think that Deion Sanders style of coaching doesn't lend itself to the NFL. So for example, if this, this approach works out and they get to see you back into being a top 25 team again, where would you want to go? He's not an NFL not a style of coach. So I guess maybe back to Florida State because that's your alma mater. But what other position would be, you know, more appealing? I guess you'd have to have a very top, top school. We'll see. But Sanders took some time to, I think, very, very interesting. And I I, thought, I found this answer fascinating. The idea that his particular history and a history that is almost entirely unique gives him so many perspectives on football in general that when people talk about how he, he's doing things in a really unique fashion, to him, he's doing things the only way it makes sense based on his own experience.
1: I don't say it's different. I just think it's the way I do things. I'm not gonna say it's different. I just think it's the way I do things. I've learned from a multiplicity of coaches that did some really phenomenal things. i take certain things from the Coach Dave Cable, my youth coach, um, Coach Ron Hoover, my high school coach, Bobby Bow, Mickey Andrews, and so forth. And Coach Shanahan, Coach Ray Rose. I mean, Coach. Uh, all the coaches that I've played for, I've taken little bits and pieces and, and incorporated them in what, what my dream and my vision is for this team. So I glean from 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 quite a bit, and and I like what we're doing. I like what we're doing, and there's certain things that I, I played the darn game, man. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I've I told you several times. I've said it in every seat. I've been the parent, you know, get the kid recruited. I've been the coach and the player. And so it's not a a viewpoint that I hadn't seen. So I love that advantage advantage point. I do. I really do. And I've been in the media for 20 years. I know what you guys are ready to do and what you guys want, Uh, he
0: It's a good point. He's right about that.
2: It's a good point.
0: That, that, I mean, basically you kind of have done it all. In football. And if, and that there, it seems to at least talk about how he intended, to do that, Right, you, you take bits and pieces from every little thing you've learned as a Hall of Fame caliber player, as a Hall of Fame caliber player. And he and player, Mike
2: Shanahan were very close in San Francisco, mm-hmm. although
0: Deion was a defensive player. And uh, people forget sometimes, um, Dion Sanders was also an all-star baseball player. So the understanding fact, for, for uh, a lot of these kids. Uh, on July 26th, of the Rockies
2: inaugural season. Um, I believe he was the first man at old mile high stadium to hit an inside, inside the park, park home, home run. run.
0: And I believe you are correct in that. I think that is right. Because, I've uh, seen that uh, on video. Yeah. He had a couple recently. of those, obviously uh, he could fly, but I mean, when you're talking about that, hit it to right over Dante
2: Bichette's head and, uh, Scored standing up, I believe
0: there was no. Yeah, sliding. Uh, Dante would be the first to admit that uh, if he's having to go back on the ball, it's not his best. No situation. So uh, yeah, obviously. It, it, no, it was a no doubt about it, and, and that was a deep, the bright broken. field when it, when they set it up oh, in, sure. in in Mile High. Obviously, it was based sure. on the length of the football field. I think it was what three seventy down that line, if I remember. I think so. Something, Something comical like that. So yeah, but uh, but it's it's a good point that the, the perspective there, and even as you pointed out with with Sidor, he's He's even been the parent getting kids recruited Can relate to that as well So an interesting skill set that compares to it But in the end, you know, we know it doesn't matter Unless you win Well, of course, it's Dion. You know, he knows that too
1: To win, to win To win, develop, get these guys to the next level And have them to be uh, men, not boys That's my expectation And we're going to clip that We're going to win We're going to win We're going to win I don't know how to say it. I wish I could say it in several different languages, but we're going to win. The
0: confidence is one thing. Getting it done is, is another, but it's also the question, and is, that's, this is where I think it's fair when people talk about Deion Sanders to ask if he's being evaluated fairly. The idea is to win when you're a new college coach over time, generally, over time. This is the beginning of those steps, and the idea is if they don't go to a bowl this year, oh, it must be a disaster. Well, not necessarily. What if they don't go to a bowl this year and then end up at the bottom half of the top 25 because the talent matures next year? Did he win? I would argue that you did. It's, it's sort of the idea of this microwaved approach that everyone wants because Dion is, is famous and has brought the attention.
2: Well, they, that means they, it's instantaneous. They've, they've kind of asked for those expectations too. And... I I do remember the initial press conference where he said it may take a little longer than some people would like. And I think he's part of that group that is looking at winning right away. And I think for a few months there, uh, people had the idea that uh, they could transform this team overnight and all but flip the record. From last year, which,
0: of course... Is no, ridiculous. Absurd. Especially because you have a but bunch of college kids here. People were had,
2: talking yeah. about eight to ten wins.
0: That was and silly. Always silly.
2: It, that, that was never, ever going to You could have brought to Nick realistic. Saban
0: to, to Boulder this well, fall, and it Nick wouldn't Saban's have been ten first wins.
2: year at Alabama yeah, I mean, was it's, like. It's, I mean, they yeah. won... I think six games. They beat Colorado. The, yeah. Dan Hawkins, Colorado team in, in the Independence Bowl.
0: One of the few times ever, by the way, a father and son coach and quarterback actually made it to a bowl That's right. Game. That's right. So, uh, and, yeah. and
2: and and, see, you and Alabama, Alabama won the game, but you didn't look at that game and say one team's going to win. It's however, many it's been half right. a dozen uh, national championships, in, in the next ten to fifteen years, And the other program is going to have one winning season between, what, 2008 and 2023? Uh, yeah. It's, 23.
0: it's been a rough go. we'll, we'll find out, of Actually, course.
2: two, but one was a six-game season until
0: the totally yeah, year of 2020. Yeah, that's, that's sort of a, an asterisk-type situation there. Um, how do you know things aren't – it's a Monday, right? Monday sometimes, uh, you know, work can be frustrating, and and, and I get that, but, so like, you can have a really bad Monday. Couple people having really bad Mondays in very different walks of life in sports. Uh, one self-inflicted, the other notably less so. I'll explain next on Miley Sports. That a woman needs to get a man. Yeah, yeah. How can she lose she use? 36, 36, I wanna win in- Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. There's always a few little notes that come out of every training camp practice, right? The minor things, right? Uh, not the Justice Simmons tweaked his groin and didn't practice today like he didn't practice Saturday and probably won't play Friday. Uh, those are the kind of things you pay attention to. But the, the smaller ones happen, too, where uh, Tyler Lancaster and one of the uh, the depth nose tackles on the team, let's, let's face it, kind of in the uh, borderline of making the team, maybe practice squad, not likely to make the 53, switch from number 62 to number 96, kind of an interesting uh, change, you know, the, in training camp, you know, thinking not that much of it, but then trying to think, wait, who was 96? That was Yoma Uvazarike, who of course got suspended for uh, multiple gambling infractions, including on the Broncos reportedly. And, Um, is still on the roster, on the suspended list. Um, Yeah. I think the writing's on the wall there.
2: Well, (laughs) uh, of course it is, which makes uh, Peyton's rather odd defense of him. A couple of. Weeks I mean, that's ago, that's the statement move making more, the statement,
0: right? Even when you, more odd. you're you're uh, on the roster and they give you give away why, your number. Why
2: why are you uh, it,
0: unless you're? Because he was mad that people were supporting it, these guys when they were gambling and and uh, trying to help them and it wasn't fair. And
2: well, uh, yeah, but he blamed the league for that. Yeah, he said the shame on the league, not mm-hmm. shame on the people who
0: right should have stepped
2: league. in and stopped them. It was shame on us.
0: That's
2: mm-hmm. not parents. It's not. Close friends. That's not advisors. That's the league. And it was a gratuitous shot he took at, at the NFL, on behalf the, of a the guy. Owners. He has never had any intention of keeping on his football team with or without the gambling, and especially without the gambling. Yeah, yeah. And he had no intention of keeping him on the team. And, and I, I, I don't know all, all the things that are said about Sean Payton, and his uh, capacity as a as a coach. I am more than willing to buy into, um, I, I go by the record, uh, without knowing how he conducts his day-to-day business. I've not been around him, not knowing him at all, but I, I I think those comments kind of got lost in the shuffle because he said so many more inflammatory things to Jarrett bell, the same, writer who wrote at least two different columns in print because there was so much material there from Sean Payton. But one of the columns was on the gambling issue and Sean Payton is the only NFL coach, uh, not the only NFL coach to have a player suspended for gambling, but the only NFL coach who said boo about it, complained at all. Dan Campbell hasn't complained. Ron Rivera hasn't complained. Um, The guy in Indianapolis hasn't complained. He lost a player. Only Sean Payton has complained about it. And he complained on behalf of a player that he had little intention of keeping before the gambling story came out and had no intention of keeping afterwards. But spent, as they say, a certain amount of political capital, certainly with the NFL, in taking shots at the NFL for how harsh the suspension was when he never had. It, suspension could have been two weeks, and he would have essentially given his number away to this fellow who may or may not make the team. But I probably, won't, I agree with you, won't make the... Uh, so we we'll 53 roster, probably, 53, yeah, almost certainly. We'll yeah. probably make the practice squad in some capacity, I'm guessing.
0: But it is, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> that, that's the way you, you know something's happening without them having to tell you something's happening. So, uh, <laughs> Wazirike's number given away to Tyler Lancaster, that's probably uh, not a great sign for him. Um, that one, at least, though, Rosarike can do very little except look in the mirror. Over in Baltimore, the... Baltimore Orioles had an opportunity to do something they haven't done since 2017 this weekend, and that was win a series in Tampa Bay against the Rays. So it's been a while. The commentary from their announcer, Kevin Brown, who's a well-regarded uh, announcer in, in baseball's media world, uh, was apparently so inflammatory talking about that that he's been suspended indefinitely. And um, let's take a listen to it. And uh, maybe you'll understand why.
3: For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. And they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today it's been a minute the orioles split a two gamer with the rays in june they had lost their last 15 series here at tropicana field you have to go back to when our now colleague brad brock picked up the win in the series finale june 25th 2017 the last time the orioles won a series here at st Pete. already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years Come combined it is a stark difference Ben and it is not a bad race team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. race uh, became slouches in the American League East they've led this division every day but now two and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just boy inflammatory speech by the uh, announcer simply reading off statistics there wasn't even opinion in there. it was just statistics. And they suspended him? He's suspended indefinitely. For what reason? Because apparently it called too much attention to the lack of winning prior to that. Which, of course, by the way, i if you know how broadcasts work, um, you couldn't see it on there. But basically, read the numbers that were on the screen in the pregame broadcast, which was probably created by the Oriole's own media relations department, which is usually how these things work. Uh, well... Y- okay. Yeah, but I i mean, if you've been around the team for a number of years, you'd
2: certainly be aware of their problems winning in town. Right.
0: In, in other I mean, words, They've had terrible teams. This, was, mean, this and, was the most benign thing, and Peter Angelos had to make it weird.
2: Well, it, you know, <laughs> winning doesn't make you a class organization. Mm-hmm. And I think on many levels, the Orioles have represented class, just not on the ownership level where all they represent is total paranoia. And it's, it's a shame because they have a terrific young team. There's plenty of credit to go around, whether it be to people who are currently there or to people who were there between let's say 2010, 2011 and 2018, who drafted and helped develop some of the guys who are now starring for the Baltimore Orioles, whose record at the moment is 70-42. and 42. They're three games ahead of Tampa in the American League East. They're the hottest team in baseball. They're the only team in baseball that has won as many as eight of its last ten um, other than Seattle, which has also won eight out of ten. There is no National League team at the moment. That is one eight out of 10 games and only those two teams in the American league. And that's not enough. You have to, you uh, have to pretend as if the Orioles have been doing things like this and they've just had a little bit of a jinx playing against a very good Tampa Bay team in Tampa. Oh, it's actually, as he mentioned, it's St. Petersburg. They right, play. and they're the Tampa right. Bay Rays playing in St. Petersburg. Yes, technically in an awful ballpark. I I figured he had taken some shot at huh. either the Nothing. Rays
0: organization Nothing. or the ballpark. Hundred percent benign. And maybe
2: Major League Baseball took offense and put pressure on the Orioles. Hey, take this. We just out heard it, while. and you've
0: probably forgotten all about it. It was that benign. I mean,
2: it's it's what a good <laughs> announcer does in
0: setting yeah. the stage. Right. This is this is a big deal for your team who can't lose because they've already they've already split the series. We're going to point out it's a it's a big deal, but this is also th- this, the challenge.
2: This is where local major league baseball broadcasting and telecasting is gone, yep. though. What when you even it's always the
0: concern when your team perspective owns and them.
2: objectivity, and you know it. People are saying it's a great thing that Phoenix Suns, for example, will be on free TV mm-hmm. next year. You don't think they will be measuring every word said by those telecasters all year long? Yeah. And if there's even a hint of criticism, they'll crack the. That's web. the concern. There's no at no times independence when there's
0: no independence. The teams control the sort of the message and the medium, right? I mean, that's the concern, and and I get it. You have broadcast partners, but yeah, you have so much flexibility over it. It it makes things complicated, and that's one of the. And this, as you
2: say, is one of the more respected, long-time voices in the game. Yeah. The Orioles have always had superb play-by-play people down through their history for as long Tip as I've Would get, get hired attention.
0: in twenty-four hours by another team well, if they decided he, to move on. He,
2: he ought to tell them where to stick it, and he ought to move on. <laughs> because, I mean, it's ridiculous. That ridiculous. I just, I couldn't, couldn't pass it up. I mean, that they'd up. be like, happy the to have I've him in, seen. in two dozen other cities in Major League Baseball. Yeah, always.
0: just a very, very odd. Uh, very strange sort of situation there. And, you know who knows? It's, uh, it's
2: want, a. Weird world. I, I I have a, a quick note about the Rockies because they did actually win a they series did. in St. Louis, and which also game. hasn't happened in many many mm-hmm. moons. Right? Yep, you're right. And they did it on the heels of a one to nothing uh, win that Austin Gomber picked up. Austin Gomber has a winning for, record for, for a nine and eight pitcher on a team as bad as the Rockies numbers are lousy 5.40era much worse than Kyle Freeland who's four and 12 1.44 whip
0: which is awful yeah
2: uh Freeland's is 1.47 so there's
0: clear, uh, clearly not much of this a is why some there. of the more statistical people are looking at it thinking like ban the wins because it doesn't really have it, it well, that much to do it with it
2: doesn't have anything to do with it. yeah and and yes they they've hit like hell for uh, Austin Gomber, although yesterday obviously just got <laughs> yep. the one run and he and and he contributed to uh, uh, their victory uh, obviously in a significant way and you think all right 44 and 67 they're they're playing almost 400 baseball
0: mm-hmm.
2: they're one loss ahead of a 400 pace and currently they would playing at this level for the rest of the season finish 64 98 and avoid their first 100 100-loss season that's the good news here's the bad news their recent stretch of playing almost nothing but last place teams yeah most of whom have beaten them by the way out of series not st louis of course but they don't play oakland anymore they don't play kansas city anymore uh, they took two of three from Boston. They don't play Boston anymore. They we'll not play Washington anymore. Even the Washington beat them out of a series. Oakland did too recently. And they're done with St. Louis. Did you realize? I didn't until I looked it up today. They have 16 series left. Okay. 14 of those 16 are against winning teams. Oh. Mostly first place teams. And the only team. And I mean the only team they have come close to beating on a regular basis is the team they will be played in the next three nights, the Milwaukee Brewers, against whom they are 3-0, and having won three games at Coors Field and swept a series from the Brewers earlier this year. The Brewers are, even with seven losses in 10 games, in first place by a game and a half over the Cubs and Cincinnati in the National League Central. The only two teams with losing records they play for the rest of the year are San Diego, and they have only the one series left against the Padres, who are 55 and 57 at the moment, Mm -hmm. all right? The only bad team they play isn't even a last-place team. It's the Chicago White Sox. That's it. That's the list. So they have three against the White Sox and three against San Diego, which means 45 of their remaining 51 games, they will be playing against winning baseball teams. First-place teams, Milwaukee, Atlanta, the Dodgers, the three first-place teams in the National League, right? Right. Minnesota in first place in the American League. Baltimore in first place in the American League. They will not be playing Texas. Texas is the only place team they'll be missing the rest of the year they got a whole oh, that slew way they don't of get games embarrassed by getting against, beat by John Gray against the Dodgers okay they're 1 and 4 against the Dodgers they're 1 and 6 against Arizona they're 0 oh and 4 against Atlanta 1 and 6 against Arizona 1 and 5 against San Francisco then they play San Francisco again they're 4 and 6 against San Diego and they're 1 and 4 against the Dodgers the other teams uh they have not played yet the White Sox Tampa Bay Baltimore which are both road series, Toronto they have not played yet. Cubs they have not played yet. They play home and home against the Cubs two uh, series, and then they play Minnesota to wrap things up. And Minnesota could be going for a division title and maybe even a playoff spot. A- at that point, Minnesota currently four and a half ahead of Cleveland in the American League Central. The Rockies against their remaining opponents have a record of 13 and 40. Ooh. If you think they're going to win 18 of the remaining 33, uh, I'm sorry, 18 of the remaining 51 games, I think you're crazy. And even if they did that, they'd still lose 100. The Rockies will lose 100 games in 2023. There is almost no doubt about that. Uh,
0: The sad sack teams they've been playing for the last month aren't on the schedule Well, give this at least to Austin Gomber. I credit where it is due. In his last eight starts, 29 strikeouts to seven walks, an ERA of 2.63 at a 5 and one record. And he still has an ERA for the year of 540? <laughs> yes, he does. And a whip of one
2: point four. Yes, he does. How brutal was In, he before the last was, uh, month? But again, he's pitching against well, last place I'll tell teams, you how brutal it was. Series after series after
0: series. At the end of, of uh, the tail end of June, his ERA was over 7. So that's how it had peaked at seven point five seven on June 9th, So he's working his Wonderful. way back, but give him credit; no, he's the, been good. The, the last, last day, pretty darn Pinching good. Hits, by and large, last place teams. Fortunately, you hear that—that's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bet with SuperBook Sports. SuperBook is the most trusted name in Vegas, and now you can use promo code Mile High to score up to two hundred fifty dollars with their first bet bonus. Which means, win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to two hundred fifty dollars with promo code mile high don't miss out on this football season win some money with superbook sports and the promo code mile high that one's easy visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER the broncos first preseason game is friday in arizona sandy and i'll be back with more next on Miley sports This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Over at Broncos practice, the offense, as they say, starting to stack some days in the uh, seven and seven drills. Now, Wonderful. one. I mean, that, that, I mean, it's better than saying they haven't. It's worth noting that last week on three consecutive days, Justin Simmons picked Russell Wilson <laughs> off. Uh, and also, so you're saying it. after I left town, they had three good practices on offense, so yeah, I yeah, of right, right. Um, um but on it. Friday, you know, Kareem Jackson wasn't out there Saturday, right. and, and today Justin Simmons isn't out there. Yeah. That is not to say that to discount that the offense is getting better because Well, uh, Simmons was the guy who was intercepting most all the passes, had yeah. had three of them last week and tipped another one that Caden Stearns oh, right. picked, so right. Um, right. but the truth is that the offense has looked better, but it's it's to my mind, the idea should be understanding that you need to stop getting wrapped up. And I, I'm really not trying to throw some of our colleagues under the bus, but I understand you see a practice and you have to talk about, oh, but this person looked great, this person it's 7-on-7. Seven seven. It doesn't truly resemble NFL football. It is timing-based. They're trying to look at, at one-on-one matchups. They're trying to look at those kind of things. You can't hit the quarterback. Moreover, the quarterback <laughs> knows the quarterback can't get hit, exactly. so there's no risk there. Uh, it, it's It's not NFL equivalent, oh. and whether the defense stacks good days or the offense stacks good days, It really doesn't matter. There's a reason they don't keep stats at practice. There is. And I was reading Peter King's
2: uh, column, Football Morning in America. Uh, Peter's been covering the NFL for 40 years. Uh, Good friend. uh, Love his work. Uh, He's written locally on the beat in Cincinnati and uh, in New Jersey covering the Giants. He has uh, written for Sports Illustrated. When Sports Illustrated was the magazine, the go-to magazine for sports. And, of course, he has worked at NBC Sports uh, for many years now. And he's doing a feature this year within his column uh, called 40 for 40, which is kind of a bit of a borrow from ESPN's 30 for 30. Hoping
0: for you you don't get uh, the season to assist. Right,
2: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But he was writing, among other things today, about Bryce Young and his uh, rookie campaign, Mm -hmm. his training camp with Carolina Panthers. And instead, and I think this speaks to your point, instead of writing about all the nice throws he was making on the practice field, he wrote a great deal about Bryce Young's having volunteered to lead, if not the first, then one of the first offensive squad meetings. Lead the meeting. Okay. Which you have to know everything. Right, right. Right. And you'd have to answer questions. I mean, normally Frank Reich would have led it, or maybe his offensive coordinator would have led it. And Young goes up to both of them before the meeting and says, would you mind if I led the meeting? And the coach is a good way to show your coach that, uh, you've got it under go control. But, but yes. But he wrote about that more than anything young was doing on the field. Pretty interesting. It really doesn't mean anything when he can't be hit. And right. you know, he, he gave a cursory description of, of one practice he had seen where, uh, young did, did some nice things on the field, but three quarters of the piece on, the Carolina camp was centered on this meeting he led and how impressed his teammates were that he could answer the question. Veterans are asking him questions. He's got About it. a new offense and he's he's got it. He understands it. Good way to get and your you teammates see confident why in he you. was good at Alabama. And he actually said uh, uh, something uh, about his experience there that he, he looked at it as, as much as uh, anything else as a kind of an intellectual exercise. And they also did a piece on Tua and also a piece on the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. So you'd you have the three Alabama right. quarterbacks there. And I think it was Tua who came out and said, and it, I, I laughed when I read this because having heard about Nick Saban, uh, with whom Rick Perea worked for many, many years, uh, Rick doesn't work full time for Alabama anymore, but he did at one time that the good thing as a quarterback about playing for Nick Saban was that he really didn't pay that much attention to you. And he would get mad at his defense in practice. If his defense didn't play well against the quarterback. And if the defense did play well against the quarterback he wouldn't be mad at the quarterback. He'd be happy about how well his defense played.
0: Oh, well, that sounds
2: nice. You, you see how many offensive coordinators he's gone through. Right. So he's very demanding of his offensive coordinators. But one thing you do when you're Alabama's offensive coordinator, you really get to coach the offense. He, he, he pays most all of his attention to the defense, although he does not call defensive signals any more than he calls the plays on offense. But I thought it was interesting – to To look at these Alabama quarterbacks and the and the different storylines about how Hertz has worked during every off on a part of his game that he considers to be, De- if not weak, then less it of is, a strength, you know,
0: dif- somewhat deficient. And
2: about Tua, it was learning how to fall down, and I related uh, to that because I was playing pickleball this. Oh, that's the first right. Time. And uh, played a couple of times. Uh, once doubles which is how the game is meant to be played. I mean you really need four people out there uh, to play it so you don't have to run as much but I'm an old tennis player so I'm, I'm trying to reach things. I I forget that I'm 65 not 35 and I'm also not wearing the right shoes I'm wearing, I'm wearing <laughs> running shoes which aren't, aren't suitable for, oh. for hard courts and tennis but, but I, I don't play much tennis anymore I play more golf and now I'll probably play pickleball a little more and and I did fall down. Uh, now I fell down in a way where I could kind of roll, and you know, maybe slightly bruised a, a, a couple of ribs. Yeah. But falling, learning how to fall down, and that was the whole Tua story. How they have been teaching him jujitsu so he learns how to fall down. Yeah. Uh, so he won't get uh, have his helmet. Uh, it, 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 Back of his head right. hitting the try ground. To be, uh, yeah, protect to your implode, head. You know, right, learn how to roll, mm-hmm. basically, and then they're also working on building him up so he's better able to absorb uh, contact, which I thought was interesting. And and with Bryce Young, it was about how he took it as his first priority to get the offense down, Pat, and everything else would follow uh, from there, and. I I thought of Russell Wilson, especially when I was reading about Bryce Young, because Russell Wilson's learning an offense, the likes of which he has not
3: learned before. He he He, hasn't run this
2: brand new offense for him, which may or may not be a good thing. We'll see. Maybe it will be a good thing. It'll reinvigorate him, having to learn something new and presumably having more incentive listen to what the coach has to say Uh, yeah because the coach is definitely calling the shots unlike last year
0: absolutely the broncos will be back at it tomorrow the next couple of days tuesday and wednesday are open to the public which means one uh enjoy if you're going out there Two, uh take everything you see with even larger grains of salt than usual because when the power are public they go vanilla as dairy queen on a sunday so keep that in mind when you're watching it not trying to break a whole bunch of things down as well but we will stay on top of it thanks to dr rick perea for joining us uh tomorrow arne anderson of fox 31 will join us thanks to danny bailey in the booth for making everything work especially when uh, dr rick comes into the studio we have to yes. some things around danny's doing it like a pit crew at the indy 500 so thanks so much to danny thanks to you most of all listening to it over the, over the air uh, on the fm on the hd radio whether you're on mylaysports.com or even easiest for you on the mile high sports app free and easy all of the programming crystal clear in your pocket, plus all the other coverage from Cody Rourke and everyone else covering all of the teams around town. So catch that whenever you can A Miley Sports app free and easy to get wherever you get any of your apps. We'll be back at it tomorrow. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Keep it right here on Miley Sports.